0: Hello and welcome to True North Project. This is Christian. Um, I'm recording this intro from my van um, outside on the street in Norwalk, uh, basically L.A., in front of my friend Ed's house, and um, trying to hurry and get this uh, podcast release as we are on our way to a music festival, Lightning in a Bottle, where I will be... Uh, not uploading anything for a few days, so trying to get this out of the way. Um, also uh, deciding just like as an update, probably to uh, in order to make these, you know less friction to get these episodes out because I've got a few in the queue and they're just building up. Um, I've made the decision to not do uh, video as an element in the full episodes which will, I mean, who knows it could change in the future. Um, but I'm going to try it out with just going back to this audio, uh, podcast because it's just so much less friction. Like I can record a conversation and have it uploaded, you know, by the next day and no problem. And with video, it's just so much more cumbersome and, um, complicated and, and it's just, you know, yeah, it's been kind of getting in the way of what I really enjoy, which is just having the conversations, um, on this podcast. So, um, yeah, we're in, we're in, just as a quick update, we're in, in, uh, Los Angeles and we are, uh, going to be in California for quite a while. Um, we've been in California for about a month or so and, um, yeah, I've got, like I said, a few podcasts to get out and, and get into the world. So Um, Without further ado, this is a conversation with Ryan Stover, who is the creator of Uncomplication, which is a really thoughtful um, YouTube channel and blog, and um, you can check it out at uncomplication.com. He's a bit of a philosopher and just a really deep thinker and um, somebody that I really, really enjoyed meeting. Um, I reached out to Ryan and found out he was in uh, Boulder, Colorado, excuse me uh fort collins colorado right next to boulder so um we took the trip up there and he was he was super cool uh, very very warm and welcoming showed us around boulder took us hiking uh, spent the day with us and uh, then we had this conversation in his uh kind of rock climbing man cave office garage so um this is yeah this was a really really fun chat and um, we dive into you know, like crypto and and uh, that the whole phenomena around that because his channel sort of blew up because of a crypto video that he put out and and so he's he's pretty close with the crypto space and um, we talk about you know philosophy and sort of the, the meaning of life. <laughs> so I uh, hope you enjoyed this conversation with Ryan Stover. You can check out um, his what he's putting out there in the world um, by going to uncomplication.com. Also, um, <laughs> so I completely fucked up and made the mistake of forgetting to hit record on this episode, um, for the first like 10 minutes or so. Um, so the audio is pretty bad for the first 10 minutes cause it's just camera audio. And then, uh, the, the, uh, mics kick in at about 10 minutes. So, um, if you absolutely hate it, you just skip 10 minutes and it'll be good audio. If uh, you want Ryan's intro, kind of his backstory and that kind of thing, um, then yeah, unfortunately the audio is a little echoey, so I apologize for that, but um, yeah, it gets better, so so stick around uh, the, most of the conversations with the good mics. Uh, I just, uh, I did all the things to get ready to record besides actually click the fucking button, so um, anyways, keep that in mind. Also, if you, uh, if you like this project, uh, or even love this project, <laughs> if you are, are stoked about what we're doing, you can uh, support us by leaving us five stars, um, sharing this with your friends and, uh, yeah, you can go, you know, if you want to follow along, um, we have an email list on our website, truenorthproject.com. You can follow us, uh, follow along the journey via the email list for new updates and episodes and whatnot. And, um, If you want to support financially in the podcast description there's a support link that will take you to anchor to uh to support us um but once again any any support is is very very much appreciated cheers Uh, all right one of these words still in uh it's the sound of victory (laughs) smell of victory yeah thanks for the hike man yeah that was a really cool spot and uh, great conversation as well absolutely see if we can track back any anything <laughs> worthwhile into the the airwaves yeah the we way.
1: certainly covered a lot of ground both in our hike and in our conversation yeah so yeah what were some of the more interesting threads you want to pull on um
0: well the main reason that i drove up to fort collins and wanted to meet you in person is because you've got a uh I don't know I felt like some level of connection I connected to your authenticity based on a few of the videos that I saw you uh, that you'd released on YouTube which just struck me as not standard standardized sort of YouTuber jargon Mm -hmm. you know what I mean Um, and I I found out about your I guess your channel uh, because my my buddy Simon who's we're both kind of I mean he's more into this space than me but we're both like web3 fans and he's like you know you should check out this guy uh from on complication he sent me your your channel he's like he'd be an interesting person to meet and um it was interesting because like i saw all the videos i saw had really nothing to do with crypto other than kind of like you talking about crypto from a different sort of perspective than within crypto and like Mm -hmm. the you know the technical analysis side of things and like when you're in the hype of the, the bull run or the bear cycle or whatever, you know, the whole collective, sort of mob, crypto mentality that kind of happens. So maybe we can start there, pick it up where it's like, what, what was uh, uncomplication, what did it turn into, and what is it now? You know. <laughs> yeah, that's a great, great opening
1: for a storytelling moment. So crypto. You're you're Ryan, by the way. Oh, I'm Ryan. Yeah, <laughs> nice to meet you. Um, yeah, so I, like many people, came into crypto because it was taking off. And I had seen that happen a couple times before, although I had not participated in past market cycles. But I, I knew that this was something that crypto did, and I actually had time and space to go into it this time around. So I said, all right. I'm gonna learn crypto, I'm gonna become a trader, I'm gonna really double down and, and learn this craft. Uh, because I had just left um, my em- my employment for the last 10 years, I just left that uh, company. And so this was like, all right, I'm going to uh, make money just by understanding how this market works. And it's funny, you could become an expert in crypto in about a month, if you really you know buckle down. Um, And that's not to say that experience isn't super valuable and there aren't people out there with a lot of experience, but you can go on YouTube and present yourself as a crypto expert after about a month. Like you can learn the basic TA, you can uh, convince yourself that you understand the market pretty quickly. And I think that's where I was. Uh, I'm naturally very interested in things and I'm a fast learner. So before I knew it, I was uh, counseling and sharing information with a whole bunch of people in my life, getting them all into crypto. And I wasn't posting on YouTube, I was not a crypto YouTuber, I was just talking to friends and family. And then when the market started changing direction violently and all of my friends who a month before were just seeing dollar signs and talking about what cool car they were gonna buy or whatever, um, everyone was suddenly in panic mode I was like, there's something more going on here. Like, mm-hmm. if this is what everyone thinks it is, this is this super scarce digital gold, like mm-hmm. all the narratives that we had kind of been drinking in, um, it was really clear that there was some psychology at play behind the market that was more than what we were getting at face value. So I, um, at a certain point, I became aware of uh, Richard Wyckoff, who was a man who lived in the early 1900s, and who studied the way the stock market worked, even back in the days before digital trading or any of that stuff was going on, uh, he understood how uh, the stock market was manipulated to um, take money from unsavvy investors. And a lot of the same patterns and psychologies that he was describing back in the 1900s were right in front of us in crypto. So I recorded a video that really spelled out how a market moves how it is uh, designed to take money from people that are misinformed or being fed this narrative of you know it's a bull run it's going to the moon we're gonna be at 200k by this date Um, and so i posted a video that kind of broke down how the market actually works and i sent that to other youtubers other people in the space that i respected nobody got back to me nobody wanted to hear it it was just crickets because everyone was in the bull run fever and then when the market finally did turn around and crash by, I think it was like 50 or 60% uh, in March of 2020, mm-hmm. or April of 2020, um, or 2021, 20, last year.
0: So it wasn't the COVID crashes, it was separate. Yeah,
1: yeah, 2021. Um, all of a sudden, for whatever reason, the video that I posted had kind of been um, discovered and it was being shared by other YouTubers and on Yahoo Finance and all these places. So... My little uh, philosophical podcasting channel that maybe had you know a few dozen subscribers suddenly had you know 160,000 subscribers in a couple of weeks because everyone was coming for that content. Mm-hmm. And if you're interested in crypto and you actually want to um, glean a little bit more about how the market is manipulated to take money from unsavvy investors, you can go back and you can watch all of those videos from that period of time. But like I said, I only got into crypto fairly recently. And it was, it was hard to go from warning people about the dangers of this and seeing the stories of people that have been hurt by this market manipulation and then to be sort of typecast as like a crypto YouTuber, which I'm not. And I said I wasn't from day one. So now I've been kind of navigating this really interesting space where I'm doing everything wrong when it comes to YouTube. Like I'm turning down all the money, all the sponsorships, all the things that you're supposed to do to have a successful channel. Because I I don't know, my true north is something very different than what the, what the world, what people wanted me to do. Yeah. And so, yeah, I've been kind of navigating that uh, transition from having all of these people come in for a very specific topic, which is fun to talk about. It opens up the door to like, what do you value, like as a person, you know, you work for money. Why do you work for money? How much money do you need? Like crypto is a really interesting doorway into these questions with people, but my interest is a lot more with people than it is just with crypto in the market. There's a million channels out there that will just, you know, every day post three videos talking about crypto. Mm-hmm. I'm a lot more interested in the deeper human philosophical
0: conversations. Which is the reason that I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, think, I think you have a cool channel for that very reason. Um, and. It's it is weird, man. It's a strange phenomenon when you see kind of like the madness of crowds playing out. Uh, you see it like uh, it's it's fever. It really is. And I was part of the twenty seven or sorry twenty seventeen um, run up. You know, that's when I got in, and a lot of people got in right in that December twenty seventeen sort of like spike to twenty k Bitcoin and stuff. And uh, yeah, it was like. This weird sort of optimism that is just sort of kind of gets, you know, absorbed through osmosis by the space that you're part of or that you're tuned into, um, and then when it crashed and uh, everybody was like, you know, it was a scam, everything's fucked, it's all, you know, it's going to zero or whatever. Um, I, I that's when I actually, for whatever reason me getting into crypto, I, I can't tell you exactly what it was, what particular event or thing I read or person or whatever. Actually it might have been like, uh, uh, what's his name, the Greek dude, uh, the Antonopoulos guy. I don't mm, know if yeah. you... Yeah. Yeah. He was on uh, Joe Rogan and and I and he kind of gave me a glimpse into like, you know, I could, he's basically his opinion was like, I could give a shit less about the price. And mm. he wanted to talk about like, wh- why this was a meaningful revolution in technology. And um, it got me kind of like curious and so after the bear the bear cycle and and through that throughout the bear cycle I actually got deeper into the crypto space but it it was very much motivated by like I'm gonna make money you know what I mean and I'm going to figure out how to trade or how to uh, play the market or whatever and I think that's kind of like most people's entry point into crypto it's like they're seeing it as a financial uh, opportunity or some sort of an investment strategy or something so yeah, it it um, it didn't take me more than I don't know six months to a year or so of, of playing that game before I realized that it wasn't worth even if I could be good at it and I, I was successful, it wasn't worth the trade off for me, um, which was you know mental health, sanity, losing losing yourself in a in a trading view kind of yeah. watch list you know what I mean where you're just con- you're constantly checking it on a market and seeing what's going on and it's funny because um uh, shout out to Simon's because he's probably gonna check this one out uh I I went to visit him in Colombia and I hadn't seen him for a while and uh you know I saw so vividly what happens when you are just in that space like dialed in like way dialed in because he was for a while like that's he was dialed into it and, that, and he was making money and it was like you know, it's basically he didn't have a job, so it was like his livelihood. So he's treating it like a job, which I understand. But you know, it's hard to it's hard to even have you know a few moments where it's like there's no phone, there's no mm-hmm. market kind of existing or coexisting in the same space. So it's a uh, it's this weird it's this weird space to kind of try to navigate. And on the one hand, you know, um, you you uh, get excited about the optimism, and not just to make money, but for the real kind of implications of what like blockchain and decentralized distributed ledger technology can do. And then on the other hand, it's like you're watching more or less people's lives kind of fall yeah. apart and you're seeing like kind of, you can see, I'm not, I'm not saying that's the case with Simon, but like, you know, like uh, you were talking earlier today about people reaching out who had lost a lot of money and kind of seeking some sort of. Uh, someone to talk to about it and there's there's a there's a lot of people out there who have been really burned by this space and I've seen people like taking loans out and then just get lose everything so it's a it's a strange strange phenomena and when I say this space I'm not talking about our space because <laughs> yeah. I don't think like I'm not a, I'm not a crypto podcaster you're not a crypto youtuber but um, the, the kind of landscape that exists right now in that space specifically is very strange and uh, I guess where do we like how do you segue from in life like from being in that space right and realizing what it is like and we can talk more about that like what you've realized you know is going on and the phenomena playing out and then like where do you try to go to next you know well so
1: pulling on a few threads that you just um brought to the surface if if i really step back and look at crypto and then see it as a petri dish for human behavior mm-hmm. in and of itself. What does crypto provide for a lot of people? And for a lot of people it's hope. Mm-hmm. And because it's new technology, because it's early, there's the feeling that we can overthrow these old systems. Mm-hmm. I've, I've done a lot of research uh, just in like what is today's economic environment and a lot of people are not ready for retirement. A lot of people are living paycheck to paycheck. A lot of people are already squeezed financially. So crypto kind of rises on the horizon as this opportunity that if you're just there early enough, if you're just smart enough, if you're listening to the right people, you'll be able to escape this, you know, inflationary failing financial um, landscape that we're in. And so I think that there's, in, an, in itself, crypto is this um, potential that humans can overcome challenges, they can adapt, you know, Web3 having all of these new magical properties that we can reconstruct the framework of you know, trustless uh, value exchange across the planet. Like there's there's an ethos there that is really enticing. The challenge is you put that on the horizon for people, this hope, this escape, and then what people are actually met with is a highly refined casino that is driven by fear and greed that is super good at separating people from their money because you get on YouTube, the algorithms are promoting the people that are shouting the loudest with the most hopium, the most, you know, (laughs) this is going to the moon. You know, if you're not buying these 100x altcoins, you're going to miss the boat, yada, yada. So like you're talking about, you can get really absorbed in this space for the best intentions. But if you don't understand that this market is now maturing to do what markets have always traditionally done, which is the, the big you know, hedge funds and the investment banks and the, the large interests are really good at playing this game where they acquire you know, a big amount of a stock or a crypto, and then they drive that marketing machine through news cycles, through YouTubers, through Twitter, through all of these other ways that get people to buy in at the worst per- possible time before they sell it to them and then drive the whole thing back down in fear and panic so they can acquire it again and, um, you know, do the same cycle again. That's the part that I think, um, you know, at at first was really upsetting to me because I came in with that optimism that this was technology that was going to help us, you know, solve these big world challenges, which it still might, but you have to see through that layer of um, marketing and there's so many projects out there. Most of them aren't worth. They're not worth not the even time, your attention, the attention. Yeah. yeah, and 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 there's also just tons of of scams. There's so many ways that you can lose money in crypto, and there's only a few ways that you can actually make money in crypto. And like I said, the segue for me is then great. All of these humans around the planet, I mean, different countries, you know, ages, sexes, races, nationalities, like everyone is coming to this space with this hope. For a better future well that's a perfect petri dish for bigger conversations about like i said um you know who are we what are we doing what do we really need mm-hmm. you know how is our fear and greed being used against us in a lot of ways to drive consumerism or or compulsive gambling or uh compulsive you know crypto trading mm. and so mm. my interest has been Okay, all of these people are here, but what's the deeper conversation that we can be having? And that's where um, it has been a challenge. People I know come to my channel because they think I'm super smart and I'm going to like tell them some secret that's going to let them, you know, have a successful trade. And really, what I'm saying is I'm not that guy. <laughs> I'm really just here to to ask some bigger questions. Right. And if there's anything that I'm bringing um, to an audience, it's just an ongoing story of my own. Uh, growth and discovery that had this moment in crypto, but is also tied in with my family and my relationships and you know my hopes and dreams and my you know successes and failures and uh, that's where I think the the conversation actually opens up into something more interesting than just like how are you going to 10x your money and go drive a Lamborghini to the moon yeah like that <laughs> that is like the surest way to actually lose all your money. And it's not a very interesting conversation.
0: Yeah, exactly. And even and even if you are one of the few lucky ones or whatever it is, like the small point zero zero one percent or whatever that either got in super early on something that did blow up or like you, you, you got lucky or whatever, it's it's just the same. It's gambling. So if most most of the people who do, I think, get that sort of uh payday, I guess you probably don't end up keeping all of it, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like, it's a gambling problem. So this is great. So I've been
1: substitute teaching in this economics class at the high school level, and they're all into stock trading mm-hmm. and they're doing the stock simulator. And they're all like, stonks, talk about stonks. And I told them, if you're using the word stonks, you go going to lose your money. <laughs> like that is the whole um yeah, it's like a meme-driven fever mm-hmm. around getting rich quick, and the mm-hmm. the thought that oh, we're just gonna get together on a Reddit board and like pump and dump some stock, like it's really appealing. But it's yeah, even for young young people, I feel like there's an educational moment to step back and see how a market actually moves, and actually talk about investment strategies that work versus this. You know, gimmicky conception that we're all just going to go download Coinbase, and then uh, oh, the one that kills me is the the Crypto dot com commercials. I mm. mean, Crypto dot com now they're sponsoring the Super Bowl. They own the stadium. Like it, it's a huge industry. They're yeah, making yeah. that money from somewhere, and it's not. It's just like a casino. Yeah, the casino's not there because they're paying a bunch of people. Right. Crypto dot com isn't buying uh, stadiums or sponsoring stadiums because they're you know making everybody millionaires. Um, but you know, there's there's ways that you can engage in this space and you know, invest over a long time or, you know, (laughs) actually be disciplined as a trader and be making, you know, small percentage moves, uh, you know, small percentage gains on small moves. I think the stat is, or the, the thing that I've heard in the stock market, at least, and I'm sure this is true in crypto too, is 90, 90, 90, 90% of people will lose 90% of their money within 90 days when they try and start becoming like a a day trader. Mm. So
0: yeah it's, ga- yeah, it's it's pretty much gambling. Um, how how about for a second if you decouple investing and trying to make money from Web three for a second? We just talk about like the p- the the space in that regard because you're right. Like people are coming t- into it with hope, but not just people who are hoping to get rich quick. Developers who are hoping to build mm-hmm. something pioneering and revolutionary. Um, people who are trying to actually take. Uh, this down from the ethereal abstract realm of like the world's just going to be better with this technology Mm -hmm. to like how, and like how we're going to do it and try to make something out of it. Um, And something that I've been kind of obsessed with lately is is sovereignty, and we've been talking about that today. But um, to me, I see blockchain as hopefully... The and and blockchain is kind of just like a loose, you know, amalgamation of mm-hmm. all of this. But like, uh, I see it as hopefully a catalyst to upregulate sovereignty, in the sense that like, um, you know, you you have who controls the money controls the power, right? And and I'm not saying that it's it's everyone who's trying to play the crypto game is sovereign right now obviously there's a ton of people who are getting hijacked by Mm -hmm. algorithms and by you know whatever forces you want to call it that are that are driving this behavior that's leading to 90 percent of you know people losing 90 Mm percent or whatever so um like those those factors are playing out right now but i still think that there's there you know there could be something that emerges from this that like i mean just leads to hopefully uh, self-organizing kind of bottom-up power distribution, potentially a new way for human beings to cohere and govern themselves and organize like self-organizing sort of networked tribes as Jim Rutt would mm-hmm. say. Right. Like, so it's like, that's the, that's hopefully like a bright spot that's trying to emerge from all of this. Right. Um, and obviously there's going to be this, a bunch of noise in the system and all this like stuff along the way. Um, but I, I think of when I think of crypto, I'm not thinking about charts anymore. Like I'm not thinking about, you know, uh, trying to make a swing trade or something. I'm I'm thinking about like, um, you know, what are all the experiments in DAOs going to mean for the future? You know, like all the all the new, completely bottom up, like decentralized, self governing. I guess, organizations that have collective treasuries and collective choice-making and whatever, like they're, they're pioneering that and they're trying to figure out how does this work, right? Especially in an environment where like, we don't necessarily even know each other, mm-hmm. right? So it's kind of has to be trustless. So it's it's really, a, uh, I think kind of a pioneer, or a frontier rather in some, in some fundamental mm-hmm. sense. Like we, I, I, I think of this as so important because this problem I think of as like the meta problem where If we can solve the hard problem of like, uh, maybe back up for a minute, like, so if you think of coherence and um, how do human beings cohere, we found coherence on the Dunbar level of 150 or so individuals in the hunter-gatherer society, right? That was sort of how we were cohering, and, uh, you know, that system worked pretty well. Like it it worked for, I don't know, a couple hundred thousand years or something. I don't know, like a long time where we were able to kind of flourish and thrive as tribes, um, even though that involved like a lot of, you know, wars with other tribes and different things that aren't necessarily optimal. But um, that was kind of our coherence was at the level of like a colony, like an ant colony has coherence, right? And um, then we shift to this, like, societal game of globalization, I mean, eventually, and, you know, industry and agriculture and all these things that have led to where we're at now. And I feel like we're trying to find that story, that collective coherence, and where is the level of coherence residing now? Because we all kind of feel the alienation of not having the tribe, of not having the fire to sit around with your tribe, and and the protection that you feel with people you can— Intimately, like deeply trust, and also you know interrelying and interdepending on other people, like that's just kind of how we're evolutionary wired with these like chemical reward systems to feel good when those types of things are happening, right? Just like it feels good to even just sit down and have a conversation with another person, right? So, um, how do you how do you bring that back into the mix, or at least provide some level of human flourishing where we 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 are you know, we have those needs met, including the belonging and the community, but you also still have globalization, you know, because you're not putting that one back in the bag, so to speak, like we're not going back to sticks and stones. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, so I think blockchain might have something to do with that transition, you know, and trying to figure out what that looks like moving forward.
1: Yeah. And it's funny, I think that one of the themes of our discussions throughout the day is, um, centered around this notion that we have an uncertain future in front of us, but it's also a blank slate to try some new experiments and mm-hmm. how people are arranging themselves. Uh, you know, um, you were talking about these little communities that are self sufficient and self contained and getting back to a little bit of that tribal feeling where you do have um, cohesiveness. And I definitely see these technologies as a natural expression of what humans have been tinkering with now for the last 150 years that's providing an entirely new set of building blocks to start solving some of these problems. Mm-hmm. Now, where I think we might have a little bit different difference of opinion or just perspective is that I don't think that these exist in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a blank slate. I think it's actually a very complex system, a very complex organism that these um, you know, building blocks are kind of maturing out of, and that the future is not so much just a uh, build your own adventure using these tools to like create these new and better um, societies. I think that we are in the midst of some pretty big changes from one state of being, one state of structures that have supported humanity up to this point and are now shifting to give way to this new future but that blockchain in and of itself is not going to overthrow the world's governments or the 1% of the wealth controlling on the on the popu- or the 1% of the population that controls 90% of the wealth or whatever it is that have been looking at this whole unfolding with more resources, more time to plan, more intention. I think that we're all as individuals swept up in this this bigger happening, this human happening. And I have no doubt that these tools are part of that unfolding, but I think it's also a matter of, um, you know, if, if you're in the industry, then by all means, you know, get in there, use the tools, create things that are new. But I think as individuals that are kind of on the sideline, it is a patience game and it is, it's not going to be an overnight, um, you know, wish granting fairy that we're just going to overthrow the world's economics with blockchain. And we're all going to be free from the current, Mm. uh, you know, constraints that we're in.
0: Yeah. The, the current overlords or whatever. (laughs) Well,
1: yeah, I think that, I mean, this is something that we were talking about at lunch. Um, I have for various reasons throughout my um, last 10 years of life, more and more decoupled from this urgency that there's a huge problem that has to be fixed. Yeah. Because I, you know, the company I started was trying to solve some of those financial problems and and you realize really quickly that your, your big, beautiful idea has to grow in a very crowded garden bed that already has really big interest growing alongside it. Mm-hmm. And it, it becomes sort of a, a game of, hey, where am I passionate? Where can I really put my energy into the world? But how, how can I also let go and be okay with things as they unfold, recognizing that um, there's a lot more complexity unfolding, but that in, that in and of itself is beautiful and it's humans and it's what they do. And, you know, this is something that I shared earlier, but I often try and jump. It's just like looking at charts, right? When in doubt, zoom out. Mm. And if you're feeling individually really squeezed or you're stressed or you're worried about the future, when in doubt, Mm. zoom out. And I love Mm. looking at the human organism from that 30,000 foot level where you look down and you just see you know, waterways with roads intersecting them and little communities forming and little Mm -hmm. farmland around that. And you see that even though at the individual level, it all feels desperate and complicated and personal, at the zoomed out level, like we are an organism. We have come from the earth. The earth has this Mm -hmm. kind of momentum that just like flows from it. Mm -hmm. And that is where I find a lot of just peace, even in the chaos, even when things get personally very,
0: uh, tense. Hmm. Uh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I think, uh, I think the complexity definitely is something I've been thinking about a lot as well. And to your point, the momentum kind of flowing out of the earth, like that's just emergence, you know what I mean? So an earth emerges humans, emerges people, uh, peoples, right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) As a verb. So like, that's the, that's what's happening. And, uh, for whatever reason it's happening and for whatever reason we're aware of it happening and, you know, we're talking about it happening. Right. So it's like, there's this weird sort of, uh, kind of happening unfolding. And so I guess the question, if we want to like zoom out, like you said, is like, well, what do you do with that? Like, what do you do about the happening? What do you do with it? Right. Like what, what, what do you, uh, what do you do next? You know? Mm. And so for me, that's a lot of, uh, that's where I've been as a, let's see. So when I was 20, I, I, I zoomed out kind of against my will to a certain degree. (laughs) Like I, I, uh, I read a document that sort of popped the bubble that I was in around Mm. Mormonism and it, and it kind of zoomed me out. And, you know, then I, you know, spent spent time playing in that new pond, right? Which was kind of just more you're a rational actor, maximizing self-interest type of thing and hedonism and stuff. And then, uh, you know, maybe some other experiences and some psychedelics and some float tanks and some, you know, some things zoomed me out further. So, um, now I'm in a place where I'm, you know, having zoomed out enough to be like, Holy fuck, this is just all happening. I'm like, yeah, it's not like, uh, 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 to me, it doesn't feel like any of it's for any particular reason. Do you know what I mean? Like, for that's why I mean by just a happening. Like, I don't think of it as serious. I don't think of it as, uh, like, you know, it's goal-oriented or, or destination-oriented, like, where we got to get someplace. Um, it just feels like it's a happening. And so, um, just like, I don't know, like, uh, there's something about what you're saying as far as, like, not attaching to the... Uh, uh, yeah, like kind of decoupling, you know, your needs to make your mark on the world or something like that, like fix all the problems or whatever it is. I, I feel like that's kind of a, a, a game of the ego in a sense, like trying to like leave some legacy or, um, I don't know, like failing to see that there, the true complexity of it and really When you go all the way down, like when you keep going down, it's like, do you even have free will to to change, like to change something at all? Or or are you really just a part of this thing that's happening? And uh, if you trace back, you know, each decision all the way back, like, where does it actually go to? Where did that? Where did the choice arise from? Where did it emerge from? And did you have any real fundamental choice when you, when you did that thing Mm. or when you chose that thing? So, um, it's, it gets kind of messy where it's like, okay, so then what? Nothing's real. Nothing matters. What do I like, you know, what do I do next? Right. Mm. And to me, um, what's kind of helped me find true north is, is, is an experience where I kind of experienced, I I guess you might call it like non-dual awareness where you're just, kind of for, for a, I don't know how brief or how long it was, but just like seeing beyond or experiencing an awareness beyond just a separate self. And so, you know, you might call that like, uh, I mean, there's lots of different words for it, but like removing the illusion, I guess, seeing beyond the illusion and uh, of the separate self, right? Which is really just one aspect of your, of your being that's kind of evolved for, for various reasons like survival and you know interoperating with other people so it makes sense to have that like little self but to, to then have an experience to go beyond that and see beyond that you know i came back from that feeling like so much lighter knowing that like it wasn't as big of a deal as i would thought you know like i i, I made it to be so serious and so important and i got to get someplace i got to be somebody got to do these things um but really, you're just like, you know, you're playing a role. You're playing a game. Mm. So to me, it's more about like what game do you want to play? And the more that you are sovereign, the more you have freedom to choose what game that is, you know, is to the degree that you have free will. Mm.
1: <laughs> yeah. There's a lot there. What what it makes me think about is that we, interestingly enough, we live in a time and a place where our culture seems to be really focused on the individual. Um, You know, a lot of the stories that we grow up hearing in movies and literature are um, different reflections of the hero's journey that puts like you as this central figure in your life that's so important. And and, and it really puts this emphasis on individual excellence or, um, you know, this kind of desperate importance that we all have to the overall thing. Um, And I think that there's a beautiful reality to that notion that your birth was the birth of the universe Mm. from your perspective, Mm. and your death will be the end of the universe from this perspective. Like there is this individual lens that has a lot of value. and, And, you know, your life is... Is in itself sort of this unfolding, playing out of mythological images. And so you can really identify with that. But what we don't get a lot of in this culture, I think, is any bigger context where the individual, it's not about how popular you are on Instagram or the mark that you leave on the world or the, you know, being seen as being ahead above the other people around you. I feel like one of the things that is kind of sadly absent are those bigger, uh, contexts that we can then dissolve that self into. And I think that's where, you know, individual sovereignty that feels really, um, important, right? Like your freedom to come out here and, Mm -hmm. you know, go on a hike with me and have this conversation like leads to these moments in your life. But you are also part of this larger Mm. happening that is outside of your control And that's where if it's just about personal sovereignty, personal identity, hero's journey, those stories, when they collide with the bigger organism, then there's a real kind of, you know, clash. Hmm. Whereas if you're able to find a perspective also that, like you were kind of saying, I think, um, you know, that oneness, as as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, one of the thoughts I've been having a lot lately as I get older and I see more people that remind me of other people I've met or people that have thoughts that I had had at one point. It's like what makes you so different from me? How is it that I was born me and you were born you and not mm. my dog or a cat or a butterfly or you know in this this huge universe with who knows how many planets, who knows how many conscious like entities? The only um explanation that makes sense to me is that whatever it is that is me is you too. Yeah. Like we are we are one one thing just kind of looked at from different perspectives. Yeah. And so when you so when when I start to think that way, I realize that that hero's journey, well shit, the the I that is truly me, mm-hmm. deep deep down is on all the journeys. Yeah. You know, I am Elon Musk, I am my dog, I am the homeless person in the street. I mm-hmm. am all of these things and it I don't know. Those are the places that I like to go when I'm feeling really itchy about the individual. You know, am I succeeding or am I failing? You know, what is my mark to leave on the world and am I I doing it or not? Um, Yeah, I think that there's probably brewing in some (coughs) artist's, (laughs) some poet's notebook, you know, the next planetary religion or the next, you know, big idea that's really going to grip a, a, a big body of people and put us into resonance with this different way of looking at ourselves than how we have looked at ourselves.
0: You could argue that because of YouTube, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alan Watts and similar voices are already doing that. Uh, and that's why I, I think that um, sort of both fans, you know, of, of, of Watts, like you're a hundred percent right. There's, there's, Something fundamental, I mean, and you can glimpse this truth, uh, it it seems to shine through in all different types of ways and domains. And that's kind of an indicator that there is something there, there, right? Like um, when you can find it from different angles and perspectives and cultural lenses, right? So, um, you know, you have this this fundamental mystical truth coming through all the different religions in different ways. You have it coming from quantum physics, you know what I mean? And, like, when you get down to the most fundamental stuff, it's like it kind of, like, disappears in front of you and, and into, like, some sort of goo that you can't really – you can't like, – no, it's, like, it's supposed to be a particle. It's supposed to be a thing, right? Like, it's supposed to be this one thing I can measure. Mm-hmm. But really it starts to behave in ways where it's, like, uh, the whole kind of, um, you know – thing is linked to everything else it's all it's all interwoven interconnected it's this tapestry that's all one oneness which you might call Brahman or god or you know the ultimate reality and um that thing fundamentally by definition would have no outside edge so everything would fall inside of it so anything if we're going to use english and you know like this subject object sort of dichotomy that we are kind of trapped in Um, yeah, all, all of the things fall into the same bucket, you know, called God. (laughs) So it's like, yeah, when you, and this ties back into sovereignty, I think, because fundamentally experiencing that. So I, I don't think you can just conceptualize it. So, I mean, I don't have anything, I don't see anything wrong with conceptualizing it or talking about it or, or, you know, philosophizing about it, but to experience it is a different thing entirely. And, um. That's why I feel like you know the mystery cults had their had their traditions and their psychedelic substance, their sacraments, you know, and on all of these things happening from Elusis and beyond until now, and uh, there's 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 always been a fundamental sort of, I mean, I, I don't know about always, but it seems like there's there's these there's these um, disciplines and traditions and secrets that have been kind of. Uh, propagated because there's a fundamental uh, truth that could be glimpsed around the experience of, you know, going beyond the self. So removing the ego from the equation for a minute, right? Dying before you die, right? Letting the concept of you, it, it turns into such a far off thing that it's not, it's no longer even on your, like on your radar, right? So like to, to have that experience, I think actually, creates more sovereignty. So by losing yourself and then finding out that it came right back, right? Just like how when you exhale, your air comes back, um, is is a, a level, it's like a trust fall. It's like, so, it's like mm-hmm. you become more sovereign. And, and when you glimpse the fundamental, um, I don't know, when you come back with a gnosis or a knowing that, that you aren't just this little poor little me locked in my bag mm. of skin here on probation, I'm actually... Um, you know, one of the, you know, the threads in this cosmic tapestry, and uh, so are you. So it's like I I am no longer... Um, trapped in the kind of narrative that seeks to belittle me or push me down or put me in my place or put me in line. I'm more sovereign, but I'm also more interconnected than ever before and seeing everyone else as every other being is the same. So I don't put myself up on a pedestal and I don't say sovereign in the sense of like, I am the empire, I'm the ruler or whatever. I'm saying it in the sense of, you know, I'm aware of like trying to be more aware of like the, um, the way that that the happening is that the way that this is like what we are what this is trying to become aware of that and i'm also trying to become more autonomous in the sense that i can govern myself right and then i'm by doing those things i, I gain more capacity i gain more uh capacity so all those three pillars kind of all play into sovereignty for me and obviously there's no such thing as a self-made man like i'm not i'm not saying sovereign in the sense of like i am a i'm a, an island right I'm saying it more like the more that each individual gets their own sovereignty upregulated, the more that collectively we we benefit. So it's like it's not a zero sum mm-hmm. game, right? It's like the more that you are sovereign, the better it is for me, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I think of it more as like uh it 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 it's not separate from the whole that you're mm-hmm. talking about. And so if we were to be if we were to find a way to create some sort of social operating system um, new ro- world religion or whatever you want to call it, right? Like some sort of way in which, be it through technology or le- like whatever it is, memes, you know, we find a way to upregulate the sovereignty of individuals, then, you know, that organically creates more authentic creation and creativity because humans are creators. Like that's just what we are. So it's like if people are sovereign and they have the capacity to... uh to orient themselves and like to 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 follow their curiosity or follow their bliss, as Joseph Campbell would say, then you know you get authentic creation and 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 uh, you know a renaissance really. So it's like that's to me, um, you know, if you look at like the internet or the printing press, like those were giant steps forward in sovereignty like now i can access information outside of the bottleneck of the priest in my village right so now now i have more sovereignty to think and choose so like what's the next revolution uh that upregulates sovereignty and i think for me i mean i don't know shit but like for me blockchain seems like it could do that with with like DAOs and and the the ability for for self-organizing coherence of, of of collective intelligence but also psychedelics you know like another renaissance that's taking place right now where it's like that experience of losing the small self and coming back you know you really do feel like a a fundamental shift and that's why people call it one of the most meaningful experiences of their lives when they go through a trial at johns hopkins and take a big dose of psilocybin you know yeah sorry (laughs) sorry just segue into psychedelics
1: (laughs) yeah once again there's there's a lot there um So a couple of the things that that made me think of um having having had some you know similar experiences with you know dilute um dissolving the ego and you know floats and psychedelics and uh, like we were talking about earlier i spent a lot of my 20s you know in this relentless digging you know going down rabbit holes trying to answer a lot of these same questions and i'm highly suspicious of any concept that only works in certain contexts because mm. i think if we are in agreement that there's some bigger thing that we're a part of that is unfolding with these energies that we may never understand but that we ourselves are a part of an, an expression of then those characteristics those definitions have to exist everywhere
2: mm.
1: And if if sovereignty is a thing, I'm highly suspicious of it when it has parameters that don't apply universally. Mm-hmm. So you talk about sovereignty and you're driving around in a van, kind of, you know, making your own destiny. What happens if they take away your gas?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What yeah. happens if we have a drought and there's no food for you? Right. You know, this this idea that you're that you're actually separate from the happening. I think is an again it just makes me suspicious to buy in too much to those types of definitions because I think true sovereignty is something that applies everywhere and the person who went to war and had their legs blown off and is now stuck in a wheelchair is just as sovereign mm. as the person who's privileged, privileged enough to like live off grid and grow their own food mm-hmm. is just as sovereign as the person, you know, so there's some there's some I think core of the human experience mm. that allows you to be free mm-hmm. from the the concepts that people are putting on you and saying, mm-hmm. "Hey, no, you fit here. This is where you have to stay. You can't think laterally." And you know, when you're talking about the church being mm-hmm. a purveyor of information, like that's where okay, yeah, there is there is a way to set yourself in a sovereign mindset where you don't need the church. You don't need You know, you, you're not dependent on any outside source for your own worth, your own value. And those are the things that just, you know, as I said, like kind of getting older and having, you know, pursued a lot of these same things, those are the definitions that I'm the most interested in because I've sat on the edge of a cliff and like dissolved myself and been completely in the moment. Right. But then you stand up and you go home. What's next? you know, in those moments where you really get it, you see how all of it has to be exactly the way it is for you to have those moments. Yeah. And I think, you know, this is the other thing I was thinking about when you're talking about um, sovereignty. I'm not against any of these concepts. And I, I really, you know, I've been one of these people, you know, pioneering technologies that help people use their resources more effectively. Like I believe in those human-centered values that drive innovation, drive people to create new things. However, I'm also, this is the other thought I had. Dang, it just slipped my mind. Give me a second.
0: <laughs> I went on that little tangent. And yeah, I'm really, to really into sovereignty. And uh, you were talking about building technology to help upregulate sovereignty, and you believe in these concepts.
1: Yeah, I think I was, I was talking down this line of having had one of those experiences, mm-hmm. And everything being right where it belongs. Okay, Mm. this is what I was thinking. Um, If everyone believed the same things we believe, Mm -hmm. then it wouldn't be the same experience that you're having. Right. If everyone was out on that trail today, you know, we were talking about the population of Fort Collins. What if everybody suddenly woke up to the sovereignty that you're talking about, your definition, and now they're all driving their vans down the same roads, they're hiking the same hills, they're broadcasting their thoughts? Mm. Like there is this arrangement Mm -hmm. that is actually. I mean, it's not good or bad, but it is supporting all of these individual experiences. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of missing that bigger zoomed out view to suppose that we should be doing something differently mm. or that people should be more sovereign. They should, you know, like that just becomes a different form of thou shalt.
0: Sure. And, sure.
1: I, and I see the whole world of, you know, kind of the, the wellness industry and the self-help and the meditation and, and these things are wonderful. They, they provide for these great experiences. But we were talking about this earlier too, they become kind of a hamster wheel mm. where, you know, if and, and this is riddled throughout the the philosophies of the people who have had these experiences. You know, you study Taoism or Zen Buddhism and all the Zen masters, you know, they it's a game to them. It's, yeah. a, it's about making a fool persist in their folly, right? It's mm. about making people chase that rabbit until they realize that they, you know, were holding the rabbit the whole time. Mm-hmm. And, and those are the types of things that as I get older, maybe it's just like an escapism. It's a, it's kind of unleashing the shackles of my own feeling of like dire responsibility that I have to go out and make the world a better place. But it's, you know, the person who understands the Tao in the morning can die in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's some deep honesty there. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't make these conversations any less fun. But I think, you know, if you're... If you're feeling like shit, I'm not living right. I need to do yoga, or I need to start, you know, focusing on my sovereignty, or I need to start, you know, X, Y, or Z. In a strange way, those become the same types of impulses, the same patterns of behavior that keep you missing the moment.
0: Yeah, totally. Uh, that's a that's a great riff, um, <laughs> and I appreciate you pushing back on that because it's making me really consider sovereignty deeply. Um, I think this is on a side note quickly before I dive back into sovereignty it's like, this is exactly why I wanted to come and have these conversations because I understand that like, um, well, from what I've gathered, it seems like guy, you know, like what the, the Greeks kind of had right. And, and Socrates can, you know, kind of pioneered was this idea of like uh, dialectic or a uh, dialogos. Like if we come together and give each other space for, you know, exploration and to entertain concepts or ideas and to, uh, really try to get at the thing, giving each other space and patience for any, any noise in the system. Right. And, you know, upregulating the signal and downregulating the noise and doing that for each other. Then this third thing can emerge separate Mm. from you and I, which is the logos, which is like, um really what I'm here for so that's uh I-, I love you pushing back and don't stop doing that
1: and, and yeah it's not a pushback as much as it's like I don't know it's it's sort of that awareness that we are doing exactly what we're doing and that's really wonderful
0: sure yeah which which is yeah <laughs> that's, a, that's a really cool idea so um first first thing is I I want to make the make it clear that when I'm saying sovereignty I'm not talking about being separate from the whole. In fact, I think recognizing the, uh, the inescapable (laughs) connectedness Mm -hmm. that you have to everything is, is, um, actually makes you more, more conscious, which, you know, in turn makes you more sovereign in my opinion. But, um, I'm not, um, also not defining sovereignty as like freedom to travel or whatever. Right. Like, I guess what I, I guess freedom to choose is part of it, right? So, and I, I think living in a democracy and valuing that as like a fundamental human right, like the freedom to choose or to to at least uh, strive to, right? Like strive to make your situation better or whatever. Um, but but to me, like the mo- the you can't control, like you said, the external circumstances. I can't control gas prices. I can't stop the all the things that can you know throw. Uh, you know, things in the gears that stop me from being able to do what I want to do, external factors. Um, As stoicism would suggest, all I can do is like focus on what's in my purview of, I guess, control, right? To the degree that I have free will, Mm. right? (laughs) So it's like, it's like, I I am, uh, I'm, I'm sovereign if I uh, am can content with that, you know what I mean? Content not having control over everything i'm not saying sovereign means you're the emperor at the top with all of the buttons to push right um you can make the argument argument that vladimir putin has very little sovereignty you know what i mean he's kind of like backed himself into a corner right so and you know he's probably it's like the emperor has his back to the wall and the subjects Mm kind of crawl towards him because he's the most scaredest you know he's the most terrified guy in the room so like um i i i think of like stoicism and uh you know, like Taoism and these philosophies as very liberating and, and, and actually upregulating sovereignty. So I'm, I'm not, I guess maybe sovereignty isn't the right word. I don't know, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to find a, uh, I guess point my compass in the direction of what's going to bring the best out of me so I can be of service. And if I can, if I can orient myself in that direction and, open source that in some way that helps others also orient themselves if in in some way, like anything that might be useful, um, then, you know, you've got more, you know, you got more lit up humans. And so for me, like, rather than it being like, we're an island separate from the whole, it's more like, no, we're radically connected to the whole. We are the whole on a fundamental level. And do you want your, you know, do you want the earth to be flourishing and, and thriving? And because I see us as Earth, right, on, on that level, if we zoom out and see the pale blue dot, that's mm-hmm. us, right. So it's like, do we want do we want to be in service to the flourishing of life um, and be the stewards of that, and do we want to be in service to a more beautiful world that our hearts know is possible, as Charles Eisenstein would say. Like, do you want to um, do you want you know what what game do you want to play, right? And so for me, it's like I look around at the at the current landscape and. You know, there's there's just like a laundry list of like epidemics playing out right now <laughs> from from like actual COVID and, and pandemic to, to obesity and suicide and on all of these other things that are just like, you know, not flourishing, at least is at this from what I can tell. And maybe you know, maybe I'm not saying that there shouldn't be everything. Like it, it all, there's room for it all in the universe, right? So who am I to say like there shouldn't be obesity, right? I'm not saying that because Like you said, without the contrast, then you don't have those, you don't have that perspective, you know, and that's the world that we're in. We're in this like dualism, um, with, you know, with all of the things playing out simultaneously. So it's, it's not necessarily that I feel like it's important to get somewhere or to be someone or to achieve something. It's more like, I'm just doing my thing. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like, if, um. And the more and the more that I am, I have the freedom to do my thing, I, I have a hunch and I could be wrong, but it feels like then the more that you have that sovereignty, I guess, if we want to use that word, the more that you can authentically take action, the more that you can come from a place of inspired action, right? So it's like what you've done with your um, sticking true to like, you know, what feels authentic with your YouTube channel is a great example. Like as soon as you start, you know, creating all this content to make money or whatever versus what feels authentic, then you actually lose your sovereignty and you lose the ability to then go and create authentically. You kind of trap yourself, right? So by the more you, the more that you, you know, uh, serve that, um, I guess, I don't know, like. There's the metaphor of like which wolf do you feed, right? Like mm-hmm. you feed the wolf that that leads you to more freedom, more sovereignty, and more of you, like more of like your authentic expression. Because I have a hunch that each person um, is like this little seed that the unique, like this unique thing that the universe has emerged that has something really fucking rad to bring to the to bring to creation so it's like we're all part of this like creation orchestra and we all have our own unique instrument and no instruments the same and each person has a song to has has a has a, has a thread to add to the to the song and um, so but you know if like you're you, don't have, you can't find your instrument, right? <laughs> mm. <laughs> or like you're, you're trapped in some sort of like weird oppressive game where it's just su- sucking out your energy mm. parasitically, whether it's through an algorithm, whether it's through like a, a corporation or whatever it is, like there's, there's all of these traps that we kind of mm. find ourselves in. And so for me, I think step A, like part A, phase A is like, get out of the trap if you can. And then you can start to play, like then you can start Mm -hmm. to create stuff and then we can like, I guess, see what kind of co-creation comes out of that.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's fun to hear you talk. I, I, I really enjoy hearing another person's just, just the symbols that you use to represent these, these different things that I think about too. And I am in, I'm in huge agreement as you talk about um, individuals as these seeds, you know, blossoming. And I, I would add to that that the the real trick is seeing how everyone is that already. Mm. And you, you know, you've had your um, experience. You've uh, and I love True North. Like you're right. There's something in us that kind of knows like this deeper wisdom, whether we can put words to it or not, that feels, um, you know, is this, is this nourishing or is this actually, you know, harmful? Mm -hmm. And so there, there's a way to align yourself with those, um, guideposts that I think then serendipity starts lining up and you have, you know, this, this expression and this, and this flow. So that's there, that's possible. I think that one of the, um, the concepts that I really like that I've, that I, I really, um, Mm -hmm think is a instructive one and it ties into this whole, you know, individual seed thing is that, uh, in the mythology of the Buddha, he sat down under the Bodhi tree and said that he would not stand up again until he had achieved enlightenment for all sentient beings, Mm. all sentient beings. And he sat down and he had his enlightenment and he stood back up Mm. because in his enlightenment, in that experience, it included the enlightenment of all sentient beings. He didn't mm. change them. Mm. They weren't doing anything different. They were exactly where they were. They were those seeds and they were perfect and beautiful. Yeah. So to me that shows that in a human experience you can have that deep profound moment of mm. just seeing how it all fits together. Mm-hmm. And when you get that, you kind of you kind of see how mm-hmm. these opportunities are there. Anyone could be a Buddha. Anyone could be led to one of those experiences. But anyone who has been in that experience understands that everyone is exactly mm-hmm. beautiful, special. They are the Buddha themselves and yes. exactly what they're doing. And the reason that's important to me, and especially at this stage of life, is you get stuck to these images of yourself and the scale of enlightenment that you're on or the uh, the level of achievement that you've had in the world or the number of big experiences that you can, you know, trade over the coffee table of, well, I just did ayahuasca in the jungle. Well, mm-hmm. I just, you know, and
0: it's like the spiritual one-upmanship. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we, we get kind of, this, I mean, the reason why this is important to me is because, like I said, I'm most interested in these concepts and definitions that are true everywhere mm. in the Buddhist state and in the state where you just lost all your money in crypto and you feel like the biggest loser on the planet and your wife is leaving you and you're, you know everything is going sideways. like That enlightenment must exist in both of those places. Mm-hmm. And when, I don't know, when I anchor into those types of concepts, it actually takes the pressure off long enough to feel sovereign. Mm-hmm. Because until that kind of moment that, oh, I am exactly who I am, exactly where I am, then you aren't sovereign because you're chasing something or you're sh- you're falling short of some expectation or you're not on the path or you're you know all of these metaphors and yeah parallels that we have and the whole world of self-help is like just ringing with these you know instructions and different opportunities to like do this that and the other and those are all wonderful but again what's next you have your enlightenment on the
0: on the mountainside hmm. what's next yeah and the self helps like. It's it's based on what you're not as well, right? Like you need help because you're lacking <laughs> something, right? <laughs> and what you're saying is fundamentally different. It's saying like, no, actually, you you're already that. Like you're already you're already you. You're already there. Uh, you've already arrived. Like you don't need to chase the the enlightenment because like that's the, the yeah that's the whole like kind of. Uh, you know, different techniques and traditions and, pra- and practices to kind of get there. But like the, when you get there, it's like, oh fuck, like, you know, it's a, it's a laugh because it's like, <laughs> what was I trying to get to, you know? And I, I'm really glad that you, you've kind of made me think this on this thread because it's taking kind of two things that I kind of held slightly separately hmm. and making me realize that they're actually very, they're much more interwoven than I thought, which, you know. I think that you know fundamentally, like I was saying when we were hiking, like I I don't think it's serious. Like I I, I think when you when you glimpse that you know that you that oneness or or whatever you want to call it, like when you zoom when you when you're in doubt and you zoom out, right? Like you're in when you zo- you're zoomed out. Um, when you come back from that, it's 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 much more like a okay, well, what subjective experience do I want to to go for? Like what do I want to play? Like what, what you know what I mean? And and you're. And that's and that to me is is jumpstarting sovereignty because now it's like you're not it's not about getting someplace now it's now it's now it's more like okay I'm I'm uh, fundamentally well free to do or to or, or to experience life like with without the so like let me maybe just use a a, a contrast uh, you know narrative to kind of paint my, paint my, my picture but like. When you're like, let's say in the narrative that I grew up with, um, the, the ideology goes like, you know, you're, you're a special, uh, soul that was in heaven and was valiant in some previous existence. Right. And so you had the opportunity to come down to earth and uh, inhabit this body and, uh, be given the fullness of the gospel, like the good news, like God's plan for you. Right. And, um, you know, not everybody gets this opportunity. So you're special Mm -hmm. and you're here on this probationary period called a lifetime to prove that you're worth, I guess, and to follow the, the straight and narrow path to return back to your, you know, heavenly father or whatever. So that sort of narrative is completely goal oriented. Right. And, Sacrifice-based, right? Like you've got to, you got to like do all these things properly and sacrifice. You know, all of the lusts of the flesh and all the things mm-hmm. that are trying to get you, you know, off the off the path and sidetracked, so that you can return to, you know, the the rapturous place where everything is hunky-dory. Even though we don't really define that at all, like it's just kind of this abstract idea. of Like eternity is going to be pretty good, right? Hmm. Once you die. So, to me, I'm I'm I think of it more like. This is all just happening, and the point is the happening itself. So it's like the point is to be here now and to it's just this moment. That's the point. The opportunity. Yeah <laughs> so, Yeah, exactly. So to even call it the point is missing the point, you know. Hmm. So I, I don't think of it as, as, as too serious. Um, I do tend to take myself too seriously, though. <laughs> yeah. And that's like the point of the game in some fundamental sense, is like you kind of get lost in the, uh, in the playing of it. Right, and then things can get serious, and then you might have these little uh, mile markers or ro- you know milestones along the way that kind of like remind you, but, you know.
1: And and I think it's I think it's very true that when you hear someone speak passionately about something, some philosophy, people tend to say the things that they most need to hear, and even our you know, Mm -hmm. mutual love, Alan Watts. Like, Mm -hmm. if you really peel back the story on his life, like, he had some difficult times. He struggled with alcoholism. I think he had some trouble with his partner. Like, he was able to exude these beautiful, you know, thoughts. But he was also a human. He was also bumbling and stumbling. and, Mm -hmm. And I just think that that's also important to keep focus on, is that, you know, I can sit here in this chair and I can pretend like I've got it all figured out. But really... I mean, this is my whole point. Like there's no piece of knowledge that's going to make you stop being human and going to make you stop, you know, having these emotions or having challenges or having pain or, you know, the connectedness to your story, like those things kind of come with the ride. Mm -hmm. And, and that is also in a way, you know, deeply beautiful that it doesn't, I mean, I'm sure (laughs) Uh, This is another concept that I really like that illustrates it. Also from Buddhism, um, and I've been thinking about this a lot lately. A lot lately. So, uh, sorry I'm shivering. It's cold out here. We should turn the heat on. But um, so in Buddhism, there are uh, these two kind of different concepts that play with each other, and one is the. Pratyeka Buddha. And one is the Bodhisattva.
0: Yeah. I was going to bring that up if you didn't. (laughs) Yeah. So,
1: you know, and I see this a lot, like, you know, the Pratyeka Buddha is someone who attains enlightenment, but they do it for themselves and they do it kind of in isolation. And I kind of think of that, like the person who says, you know what, I'm above this mess. I'm going to take my millions and fly to my private Island and sit on the beach and like have these beautiful moments. And like, great. Like that's a private Buddha. You're having that experience and it's it's wonderful that those uh people exist in the universe.
0: Yeah, there's the, there's a before you talk about this bodhisattva there's an element to that where it's like I thought about that too like even just retreating into your ecstasy of enlightenment or mm-hmm. whatever what if that on some sort of like vibrational level is actually beneficial in some ways, <laughs> just that that guy exists. Do you know what I mean? Sure, yeah. Which is it's an like, it's interesting like the idea. monks
1: that, you know, wake up every morning and meditate so that the rest of the world doesn't have to, you know, like they're sure. already purifying it. Like, mm-hmm. And that gets back to that idea that like, you know, you and I were the same thing, just doing different dances, yeah. but like I'm doing your dance, you're doing my dance. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but the interesting thing is, is that in Buddhism, you know, Pratyeka Buddhas are kind of looked down on, mm. you know, they're actually kind of like, it's I don't know. It's almost um, a bad look to be a totally private Buddha. Hmm. And that what's more celebrated is the Bodhisattva. And the images of these people are like, you know, the fat Buddha, you know, everyone thinks it's Buddha. It's a a Bodhisattva. It was just this like poor guy that used to go around with a bag collecting pieces of trash and giving it to children. And he was a Bodhisattva because he was just a human being, Like he had his enlightenment in a way, but he was integrated. He was doing his part. Mm. He wasn't escaping. He wasn't running to the hills to have the enlightenment. Like he was there living, dying, like feeling all the feelings. And that concept I think is, I don't know, it's liberating. Um, Yeah, it is. and And it's cool too that in a lot of the kind of popularization of Buddhism, in, in a lot of the world, they practice this concept that, like, all you have to do is say this formula of, you know, recitation, and, like, you are liberated. Hmm. And that kind of plays into that same idea, that, like, you don't have to be the ascetic monk who, like, attains enlightenment to have your your bodhisattvaness. Hmm. And, again, you know, these are the kind of concepts that just I'm more interested in at this stage in life because it... It's not individual and questing and desperate, you know, good, bad, success, failure. It's a a deep acceptance and an appreciation. And earlier when I said, you know, you have your enlightenment on the mountainside, what's next? Well, I think you come back and you be a bodhisattva. And for me, that's, you know, spending time with my kids and knowing that I don't have to chase all the concepts down the rabbit hole all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's just like enjoying food with people Mm -hmm. and really putting my time and energy into relationships. And I mean, those are the things that I think pay out so much experience and joy and presence. And you can really lose sight of them. At least I have. I mean, this literally happened to me, I think, at a certain point where I got so stuck on my own story and my own enlightenment or whatever you want to call it, that you, you lose the connections with the people around you. And the grass isn't always greener on the other side. It's always greener where you water it.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's a that's a great one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you you can't lose uh, sight of what's right in front of you, right? Like you, it takes nurturing, it takes water, and relationships especially, they atrophy, you know? It's like muscles. If you don't use them, yeah. they just kind of atrophy, fall apart. Um, so if, uh, I guess if we were to... So, so to me, this is sort of like embodying this uh, being mode, you know, quite a bit. Like we've been talking about ways of being, you know, like um, being sovereign, or you know, being enlightened, or you know, what, whatever, whatever, you, however you want to say it. Like the the orientation of like your fundamental beingness. Like, but what's your? But what's your? An, don't mistake the word reason here for like, I know it's a slippery slope. So I'm not trying to say like, um, okay, so English is hard. Because it's like I'm not trying to get it like uh, some goal-oriented thing. You know what I mean? And so, for example, uh, okay, here's a better way of saying it. Instead of saying like what is your your reason for being or whatever, another way to say it would be like what is your nature, hmm. right? Like what is, your, what is what is the seed growing into, right? Like if you water it. If the seed gets water and has fertile ground, what does it grow into? I see sovereignty as like the fertile ground. Hmm. You know, you got to have some nutrients to 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 cultivate that growth. Um, but you know, what is it going to grow into? And to me, that's like ikigai. That's the hmm. that's the thing that's like trying to emerge, and um, out of each person, you know, from your fundamental like core thing. So it's like if you, and 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 I think you see. Uh, I'm not trying to change uh, other people per se. It's just like, this is, this is the dance. This is me doing my dance. Right. And so for my dance, I'm, I'm trying to, um, I guess, find out what it is, like how, how it is that I fundamentally, like what I'm here to do, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and when I say that, like what I'm here to do, (laughs) I'm, I'm not saying it like, because, you know, like my my fucking the guy in the sky watching me is expecting me to do it, so I better get to work. Do you know what I mean? I mean it more like, um no, it's just like something something is my heart's beating, right? Why? <laughs> like why is it still Because it's like I'm I'm alive and so I have this like life force energy in me for some reason that's animating me and, and causing me to do stuff, including drive to Colorado. Right. And like meet you. So it's like, for some reason, like, that's just exciting. Sounds like a good idea. sounds like why not? And you know, while we're here in like the the rock gym garage office space, like it does feel like kind of the right choice. You know what I mean? Um, so I don't know, like to me, if, how do you, how do you, how do you, um, not get sucked into the self-help rabbit hole or the you know maximizing self-interest rabbit Mm. hole or whatever have you like these different kind of you know pitfalls i guess or whatever you want to call it and and still take inspired action like you know and not just be the the buddha that's just off in isolation or the person who's you know off in despair or nihilism Mm. you know Great question.
1: Um, I I don't know that there's an answer to that because I think it is, you know, you asked, what's your nature? Mm-hmm. And I think that we all move out of one nature, but we're all, interestingly, these different mosaics of heart, mind, intention, etc. cetera. So the answer might be different for everyone. And I think that's one of the important things to kind of realize is that, one person's path doesn't have to be your path. And I mean, you're a great example. Like you're here, you're doing this thing and it's beautiful. And I hope nothing that I say discourages you from that path. I think it's also just recognizing that that everyone is sort of blooming from that same sovereignty that you're talking about. And if you can't appreciate the whole garden, mm-hmm. then you can't get to that point that I think you're really trying to get to, which is is seeing yourself, seeing the world, seeing things in a context that is really, um, I don't know, fulfilling, or you can have that presence.
0: Hmm. Can I, so, um, there's this idea that's popping in right now where it's like, so how do you, how do you like see the, you know, obviously the divinity and the the sovereignty, the beauty in, Mm. in all the beings, right? But at the same time, have the discernment to say no, you know what I mean to be like uh no, don't put that plastic in that river, yeah you know no don't don't you know don't uh abuse those children via genital mutilation and <laughs> then like you know like it, it, an education system that cuts them off from mm-hmm. from creativity and and whatever so it's like there's there's all of these things that I want to say no to, um but at the same time acknowledging the Uh, the greater whole and the fundamental choice and sovereignty of all the actors that are involved in this current system, right? Yeah, I mean, just personally, I I feel like the thing that gives me so much,
1: I don't know, um, faith, I guess, is that we can see pretty clearly the breaking down of a lot of old systems that sustained our society for a certain period of time in a certain way. And as we see some of these systems starting to break down and fail, I feel like we're seeing a, an upswing in sort of individual enlightenment. Mm. And there are, I think, just if you looked at a graph of like how many people were taking psychedelics or listening to Alan Watts mm. or going on adventures, like mm. I think there's a, there's a big upswing right now. And I think that's the fertile soil that humans just naturally tap into when there's big changes that provides the ideas and the solutions and the things. So you said emergent earlier, I, th- I think of it kind of as that emergent property. And it's not so much like, um, you know, sometimes we really frame things in terms of like choices, uh, where I just choose <laughs> to see it as, um, a natural mechanism or whatever you want to call it by which people adapt to changes like i i'm sure whenever there is a collapse in a certain Mm -hmm. system there's a diving into this deeper awareness this deeper kind of you know human centered no station you know where we say you know what no this isn't working you know Mm -hmm. we're we're at risk of running out of water or having our houses burned down because it's too dry or whatever i think that um yeah, that uh, capacity in humans collectively really turns on when, you know, the pressure turns up. And so I'm not sure that it's necessarily anything that we need to do about it. I think mm-hmm. it's happening. And I think you being here is a testament to that. Mm. And I think that there's a lot more people that are, like you said, kind of, you know, turning on, waking up through content like this and from other people as well. But it it really feels like an emergent thing that we can, uh, you know, participate in but is kind of a cool, like capacity that humans have and tap Mm. into.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a, that's, I mean, probably why we're adapted to every niche on earth. It's (laughs) like we have this weird, this strange ability with a new generation to really fit whatever the, you know, glove size is. And uh, there's there's a book and then an, there's a guy I can't remember the name of it or his name. Um, but the idea is similar like it's around this this the idea is something along the, the lines of like human beings, you know, societies go through like different uh, like cycles, mm-hmm. right? And so you kind of have like, you know basically like the new I, the new beginnings phase, right? And then like that generation gets older and the next generation's got like a, sort of like the, um the thriving sort of like booming phase, right? Like the golden the golden generation or whatever, right? And then the next generation is kind of like thing they're starting to see Hmm. stagnation and the things start to crack. And then you have the chaos generation that sort of has to come in and and, you know, come through like the the, And then the new visionaries restart the cycle. Yeah, exactly. So Um, seems like that's probably, there's some truth to that for sure. There's another like saying, it's like, uh, um, strong men create good times. Good times create weak men, (laughs) you know, which create, you know, bad times. And then the bad times create good men again. So it's like, you've, you've got, you know, the, uh, there's this weird relationship between our environmental conditions and who we are, which is pretty pretty obvious like mm-hmm. if you just want to test that um you start taking cold showers and you'll like <laughs> notice really quickly how your environment can immediately stimulate you like change in yourself biologically and from a mental perspective as well right like it's it's pretty crazy how uh, interrelated we are to our environment and it goes back to you know what we we're saying before like there's really it's a, it's more of an illusion to say that you're actually separate from that it's like to pull the um the bee out of the forest and say like, you know, this bee's just a separate thing. <laughs> it's like, no, it only exists because of this greater whole. Hmm. They are totally, they evolve together and it's like this, it, they really describe each other.
1: Yeah. Let me lay this one on you. Um, this came out of my most recent little solo road trip. I was uh, trying to record a video and I may end up posting it. I don't know, but I was noodling on this idea of... Um, let's just pretend that in one tree in the forest, all of those cells that make up the tree were suddenly self-aware. What would that experience be like? And I think that, you know, in the tree itself, they would probably, um, they would start to recognize differences you know, the the tree uh, cells that are up in the leaves that are maybe, you know, swaying in the wind mm-hmm. might look all free compared to the ones that are in the trunk holding up all this weight, mm-hmm. might, you know, feel different from the ones that are, you know, there's all these different tasks to do for individual cells to, to be a tree. And if, you know, one of those cells had this epiphany and kind of realize the treeness. you know, what would be the the message that it would bring back to all those cells, you know, as the leaf cells are dropping in the fall and dying and the ones that, you know, I, I, f- I feel like in a, in a real, like tangible sense, it's the same question for humans and that we are in a sense, you know, an organism like a tree and we're all having individual experiences. We're all holding up different pieces of the, of the structure. And we're all moving towards an eventual death. But, you know, the tree is also presumably looking out and seeing, you know, the tree next to it and seeing the forest and seeing the forest go through that kind of a cycle. And there's some there's some set of concepts that I think can be gleaned from those tree cells that can be applied to yourself and just seeing how, like, you are this individual piece of a larger whole Mm. that is going through these cycles that, you know, it's beautiful. A tree is beautiful. It's a miracle. It is amazing. Right. Mm. And to have a forest is even more amazing. And yeah. What is, what is the, the story that you can tell yourself that puts you into that kind of a harmony with the human happening? Yeah. Yeah. And then you were saying this on the, on the hike, you know, the thing that's so crazy about life is that it just goes deeper and deeper and deeper inward and outward. Mm -hmm. So not only are you, you know, this individual cell of an organism, but you yourself are made up of trillions of cells and Mm -hmm. trillions of bacteria. Mm -hmm. And like, there's really no way to (laughs) tease apart what this you is that we've even been talking about for the last hour. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that, those, those types of um, thought pursuits are the ones that kind of land me back in this place of just being really fucking grateful yeah. that I am even capable of feeling these emotions, you know, pain, sorrow, happiness, that I have the people around me that I have, that, you know, every breath is deeply a gift. Mm. And fuck, you know? <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's, that's the, that's like, that's the most real thing right there. Cause yeah, it's, uh, there's two things there I wanted that, that sparks, sparked up uh, when you were talking. One of them is the thing about death. Cause that's, that's, that right there is the, the finality of it is I think one of the reasons why it feels so, so vivid, so real, you know, to be human, to be alive. Right. So like, you've got you know, uh, you've got an end point, which is, seems so abstract. It seems so abstract to people. Uh, because until it's, until it's not, you know, (laughs) until you have like a near death experience or, you know, you get a diagnosis or a close caller or somebody, you know, dies or whatever it is. Um, and then you're like, Whoa, yeah, this is actually coming to an end for everybody and everybody that's ever lived. It's always come to an end. And you know, that to me is another reason another thing to be grateful for because it's what it's what's giving this it's what's punctuating it's like the period at the end of the (laughs) sentence right it's like gives the words meaning if the words ran on forever they would have no meaning so you know you need that like hard stop right to make a life uh have that subjective realness to it that that life well at least for me seems to have right but uh the other the other thing um is like on a less esoteric note. Because um, we're talking about, you know, like seeing the, uh, you know, like the, the bigger picture and how, how do how do you like, what story do you tell yourself to, to interoperate with, you know, humans is like, you know, like use the metaphor of the cell of the tree and whatnot. And like seeing you as a cell in this bigger, this greater body, right? Because you could like, you could define it on different levels, right? Like you could define, I could define, you know, you by the pattern of like the, that the DNA has emerged called Ryan that's like able to talk in a mic or I could define you by like, an indiv- like you could go into the individual cells and start naming those or, you know, we could zoom out and we could define you based on your in- community, your environment, we could define you based on like planetary scale and like, you know, the species, right? And we could say Homo sapiens is, is one thing. Right. So we could, we could identify on that level of a planetary species or even just a planetary planet, just like total. Right. So, and I think that since the, um, since the 60s, when we went to space and we turned around and we took a picture of the earth, and since LSD right around the same time, mm-hmm. and all of these various phenomena that are like giving rise to more and more global consciousness, the internet the being the huge one and uh, the, the, the connection of, of you know, human life to other human life on earth and this information age and everything else, it's, the, the, I guess the, the question on, on a less kind of esoteric level is like, so where do we go from here? You know what I mean? Like, and I, when I say we, I'm talking about our species, right? So from the level of like, uh, you know, we're one thing. We are now and we're, we're terraforming the planet, you know, like one person's decisions, namely Vladimir Putin could have consequences for the entire planet. Right. So, um, like those, we're, we're, we're at a place where we're so globally interconnected now that, um, we're, our fates kind of tied together in some sort of fundamental way. Um, that I don't think has ever been the case in any previous civilization, before so all civilizations have collapsed right um but they their collapse didn't cause the collapse of the rest of the civilizations on earth at the time but now we're a global civilization where um we could very well see you know the breakdown and collapse of like a the you know on on a level and a scale that has never happened before that we know of i mean Probably has happened in the past. Who knows? But the the point I'm getting at, I guess, is like, do we, do we, do we be the? Uh, so to bring it back to Buddhism, are you the are you the guy that's like, okay, I I kind of see the problem, but I also see how beautiful and perfect reality is. So I'm just gonna you know I'm just gonna enjoy my walks in whatever forest is left. And I'm going to enjoy the dinners with whatever you know, good food I can find and f- clean water I can get while I can, right? <laughs> and I'm going to like enjoy each moment as much as possible. Because, but I understand like the perfectness of this whole kind of like firework that's exploding, mm-hmm. and it's all going to go away. Or, uh, you know, do you like try to uh, create the more beautiful world that you know is possible in the sense in the sense that like the game that comes next right like how do you how do you con- like what does the world look like in 2050 and and beyond like how do you uh how do you think about that like what 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 game are you trying to play going forward and hmm. like you know you have kids so it's like how do you uh how, how are they going to be oriented in the world you know what i mean like that's that's something that i'm thinking about a lot lately because i'm almost 30 so it's like am I going to have kids? You know, it's something I think about quite a bit. And, uh, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, it's not like I can create like a perfect world for them, obviously. Um, and it's, I mean, other than obviously the world's perfect, but I'm saying like, Mm -hmm. I can't create like a, a, a perfect like bubble of like, no, no problems. And even if I could, I wouldn't want to, because you know, that's Mm -hmm. what life is, right. It's what it's about. So, but like what I'm getting at, I guess is how, before I pull the trigger <laughs> it's just like I want to I want to feel some level of optimism or or encouragement that I can give them a life that I'm like proud of, you know what I mean? That or hmm. at least like stoked about. Like um and maybe that's naive and maybe it's selfish. Maybe it's just like, dude, no matter like they're gonna blow your mind no matter what kind of situation you think you've got going on, right? Like there, it's going to be challenging no matter what, and it's going to be incredibly rewarding no matter what or whatever. I just, I, I think of like the idea of like passing off, you know, just like a burning dumpster fire <laughs> to the next generation as just like something I really don't want to do, hmm. you know? And so like, um, I'm trying to like kind of balance these two truths of like, uh, yeah, like, there's this, there's this beauty underlying, you know, reality, which I can, I can totally get behind you and 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 get on board with the idea of like, you know, g- taking the walk in the forest and just enjoying it and playing with the kids and just enjoying it like that. I can, I can totally be in the moment and, and get there. But on the other hand, like, there's this side of me that wants to zoom out and be like, but what about all this mm-hmm. other stuff? And it's not just gonna go away just because you're turning off the the news or whatever, you know what I mean? Not to say you should be watching the news, but you you (laughs) see, you see my point, right? Yeah.
1: Well, you asked a lot of questions there in one. And I think the answer is yes. And, Mm. and I, you know, speaking as someone who does have kids, I mean, we all were born into a dumpster fire
2: Mm.
1: and I mean, show me a point in human civilization where there, there weren't wolves out there mm-hmm. and where there wasn't personal danger and there wasn't the threat of food scarcity or a rival band, you know, raiding. Right. Um, I think it's a fallacy to think that the world needs to be a certain way to pass it to the next generation. I think that if it is in your nature to procreate, then that is just a beautiful expression of who you are, but it's not for any reason. I see. It's it's not because the future is or needs to improve necessarily. I can tell you that a lot of just my my change in in tone and perspective comes from having kids. Hmm. And just, you know, when you're spending time with a little human who doesn't have definitions or labels yet, And you see that human spirit that just over and over, (laughs) I'm going to get a little choked up. Like the thing that a human is, is so undefinable. You can't put a container around it. It'll take the shape of whatever container it's in and it'll overflow it anyway.
2: Mm.
1: And that cycle of people just, you know, living, trying their best, having kids, dying, those people living. I mean, that's what humans do. And so, I don't know. I, I have quite a few friends who I've talked to about this that are like, you know, we're we're really into our own story and we're just really scared to have kids because the kid or because the world is, you know, such a messed up place and we're worried about this, that, and the other. Right. And I, I don't know the, it's beautiful to see beautiful people have beautiful children.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I see. I see what you're, I totally see what you're saying, man. It's like, I I just feel like I'm kind of speaking for almost like a generation. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like I see so many fucking like I'm walking around, I'm driving around, you know, with Lily and our dog, and I'm just coming across couple and their dog, and mm. singles and their dog, and just and like man, all these <laughs> And man,
1: in the old days, people had to have 10 kids because yeah. a third of them would die. It yeah. doesn't make the one that died any less special than the one that lived. It's just, it's how humans have continued to be humans.
0: No, but it is. It is. it does speak, though, to the time and to the environmental moment, Right. Where the fact that like this, this younger, let's call it millennials and below generation is, is like, uh, they're not, they're not chomping at the bit to have kids. And I think there's a couple. Maybe
1: that's by, but again, you know, a lot of these things we can look at and we can say, oh, this is, this is choice. This is, you know, this is a really personal thing. And there's another way to look at it that, gosh, we're about to, you know, Experience, I think, a lot of new challenges, mm. and those those feelings, those impulses to like have a lot of kids or not, I think, is also just this organism kind of taking shape to fit this new that's, environment that we're moving into. Yeah, so that, that's
0: totally what actually what I was, what I was yeah. trying to get at is like the the environment is actually what's kind of the environmental moment is what's kind of informing the generational kind of the flavor of each generation, right? So. For example, my dad's environmental moment uh, was him coming into the world in a small insular society without the internet and with only one worldview and ideology. And one of the primary foundational axioms (laughs) is multiply and replenish the earth, motherfucker. Like, no birth control and have as many as possible and marry as many women as possible as Mm -hmm. well. So like, you have a bunch, right? Grow the cult. Yeah, and honestly, like, but in a way that's like love the ki- children as well, you know? And, and like, it's, it's, it's like, there's, there's some, there's some baked in values there too. It's not like it's, it's insidious necessarily. It's just, it was just kind of his environmental moment. Right. And so it makes sense to me why why he played out that role. Right. And had 24 kids. <laughs> so it make it made a lot of sense. And good for you that he did. Yeah, exactly. I mean, cause if he just stopped at 17, <laughs> <laughs> then I wouldn't be here. Yeah. <laughs> funny it's like 17 other ones got in front of me in line and <laughs> i still made it uh the odds of me making it with any other guy i really love It's funny um but i don't know i think i think that this moment this environmental moment my generation um is looking around at the current landscape and they're not jumping at the bit to have kids and you know it's for various reasons it's not just from for climate change and you know the uncertainty of the future and etc it's it's also education and you know individual freedoms right and the ability to like uh you know like you said you have friends that are kind of like they're doing their thing like they're enjoying their story right now without what it takes to, i mean if you have a child then all of a sudden you're shifting gears so not to say that I wouldn't love to shift gears, but it's like, I don't necessarily want to shift gears in this moment. Right. Cause I'm not going to raise a family out of my van. <laughs> right. So it's like, that's something that, uh, that I'd have to, I'd have to like, you know, shift gears. So I don't know. I just, I just think that there's this whole sort of, I'm, I don't think I'm alone in saying that, like I'm on the fence right now. And a lot of people are on the fence right now, I think because of, you know, just, yeah, like people can barely even afford housing. You know like young people so it's it's kind of a strange strange thing it's like every all the young people I talk to they're they're their 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 goals aren't super mega long term oriented that as far as I can you know gather hmm. do you think that's a problem or i mean what's
1: you say it in a way that kind of leads to like
0: i i think i think that if we were a i think if i was i mean if i'm just painting on a blank canvas and i'm trying to describe you know a uh better situation i guess or a more beautiful world trying to imagine one and you know this is just an imagination space so don't you know you feel free to tear it down but like um i'm i'm thinking like ha- having intergenerational uh plans in other in, in the sense of like you know, thinking beyond not just your paycheck and not just you know you know this year, but thinking or this election cycle, but thinking you know intergenerationally and like what are we as a species, what are we oriented mm-hmm. towards, and what is the earth becoming right as a as a as a byproduct of our collective. Uh, intelligence because that's what it is whether it's conscious or not if it's unconscious i mean it seems like it's mostly unconscious but like we have this sort of collective intelligence which means we have collective cognition Hmm. you know we have this collective choice making sort of and capacity to do stuff so what are we doing with that capacity and uh when you have you know more like sovereignty i guess is like you have the ability to you have the luxury really of like getting all philosophical and like what do we what world do we want to create <laughs> but if you're living paycheck to paycheck obviously you're just you're in that moment right so i'm not saying it's like on anyone who's in that moment that's just like the moment that they're in i'm wondering like as a collective uh, do we want to and how would we do this how would we you know another way of saying this is like we have Everything we fucking need right at our fingertips. We have the abundance of the earth. We have the bottomless well of human ingenuity, right? And creation, creative process and capacity. All we're really lacking is putting the thing together, which is like cohere, like come to coherence, right? And instead we've got our nukes pointed at each other you know, and we're fighting over resources and we're drawing all these invisible lines on the map and saying like, this is mine. And that's, you know, mm-hmm. so it's like we have these, there's something about like the software that we're running because we're all in these like biological machines, right? With this supercomputer for a brain and the software that we're running is causing this sort of like, you know, seeing the other as other and this difference and this, you know, this divide, right? Um, and I guess... Like the utopianist kind of like (laughs) idealist or whatever in me is kind of trying to imagine a a state or a place in Mm -hmm. which there's actually some sort of collective coherence. And I don't think of that as like some sort of like global, like top-down hierarchical utopia. I think of it more of like what you would see in nature, which is like little colonies, little cells, little beehives of Mm. of kind of self-sustaining sort of, you know, I don't know, tribes, I guess interconnected in some way that um, I don't know how to fully articulate because it's kind of like sci-fi, but I, I I'm just wondering like what we're growing into. It's just an interesting thing to think about. Um, and COVID is really where I, I think you could say as another catalyst for that metamorphosis has started like changing global society on like, or society on a global level. So it's like, um, I, uh, I'm, I'm trying to kind of explore this space to see if there's some signal worth orienting towards hmm. and broadcasting toward, uh, to others. Um, because if there's anything that is cool about the moment that we're in right now, other than just like the subjective, you know, emotional sort of like the mystery of it, right? Is that we got this. You know, <laughs> it's like, we got these like toys and this technology and we're globally connected. So we do have this like window where it's like, we might actually be able to pull something off that has pr- previously not been possible. Right. Mm. Um, I don't know. It could just be fantastical thinking.
1: I think it's happening. And I think that it's not as dissimilar from what has happened in the past as we might think. Mm hmm. I was at a, book sh- a bookshop um, a couple of days ago, and there was this really cool collection of photographs of um, protest signs. It was like a history of protest with um, signs and political cartoons and these things going all the way back to the Revolutionary War. Oh, really? And it was amazing to see the similarities in people's um, perspectives and the challenges that were faced and the outrage over certain things. Mm-hmm. And... I don't see this moment as that much different from what we've done in the past. And we have these microphones we can reach that bigger audience because there's more people. But in the old days they would gather in churches and the whole town would hear a sermon. So there's always been that ability to reach out and share ideas. And like I said, I think that I think we need to give ourselves some faith and credit that we're doing it.
0: Yeah. I'm going to push back a little bit because I think that, I mean, On the one hand, we are. Yes, we're doing it. But like, on the other hand, uh, you know, a village in Europe in the 15th century, they're all getting their, you know, most of the information is coming from, like you said, church, right? And it's coming from the book of truth that has the answers. And so the whole paradigm is like... And when
1: that didn't work, then Luther split off and started his own little thing. And then sure. when that didn't work, people split off and started another little thing. And you get all these little permutations and...
0: Yeah, but to get to the point where we have, you know, individual content creators or whatever, and you have like the distribution to be able to talk to an audience, like like someone like Joe Rogan can... Uh, reach millions of people that's a unique moment that's a totally unique moment no human being no individual has ever had the microphone that joe rogan has in the history of our planet nobody's ever had that kind of distribution as an individual so to me that's a that right there is one aspect of how it's unique
1: so but i'll ask you this question i was going to say this earlier when you're talking about putin is i could ask the question is putin shaping the world or did the world shape putin yeah, it's and to- is Joe Rogan shaping the world, or did the world present Joe Rogan and form him?
0: And I, I, I think it's the latter in both cases. Um, I, I, I mean, I tend to think that like we're really more just like emergent properties of our the complex environment, right? Like, I don't think there's such thing as a self-made man, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that like. It's because of Joe Rogan that this is the case. Uh, He just happens to be the guy in the seat with the mic. Do you know what I mean? Um, But what I'm, I guess, what I'm getting at is like this moment is unique. um, In to me, it seems it's different. I don't think it's the same. It's more like a Cambrian explosion. And and I didn't
1: say that this is the same moment as the Revolutionary War, but the the content and character of the human spirit. I think is more consistent than we might think. For sure, and this moment might feel like we're at the precipice of civilization, and it's oh so important that we get it right because the whole thing could crash. And that's how everyone has felt forever. And we're still here. Yeah, but the children of children of children.
0: That's true, but our ancestors didn't have nukes, so that's that's. I'm just I'm just saying, like it's not quite the same. In fact, you could you could you could argue that it's actually. Different on many levels um you know never before have so never before have we been able to completely like so for example the ocean used to be seen as limitless abundant resource you know and now it's it's we're finding out how how limited it really is right and we're, we're reaching the boundaries of our environment like Earth is a finite space, so we're coming. We're coming into that consciousness. We're, we're, we've got 4K footage of Earth from space streaming right now, all the time. You know, so it's like that's the that's the difference to me. Is we're we're uh, the most you know global that we know we've ever been, and uh, you know we have the the ability to pull the next black box technology out you know the next the next thing out of the hat that might be the end of it right like Hmm. whether it's whether it's from uh you know nukes or CRISPR or whatever it is like i'm just i'm just saying like we have the ability now to um to to change life on earth in a way that we just haven't had before so another way that to articulate this i'm doing a bad job of it no i think you're making a really good (laughs) well there's this guy daniel schmachtenberger are you familiar with him Mm -mm. Um, someone I'm going to try and meet, He's, uh, he, he puts it into uh, really, really eloquent terms, but it's basically like uh, something along the lines of like to have the, uh, you know, paleolithic, paleolithic brains, medieval institutions, and godlike technology, right? Mm-hmm. So to have the technology and the power of gods, but not the wisdom of gods, eventually would self-terminate. Like eventually that's a disaster, Waiting to happen, so it's like the the down to like the more temporal, real level of like just being a human on Earth, right? Are we going to figure out how to, you know, get through this beyond this moment, um, whatever that means, however long that is? Like, are we going to be able to continue this metamorphosis into something like a butterfly? Because mm-hmm. I, I love using this metaphor. I don't know if, if you you. Um, saw the, the butterfly iconography and, and the stuff that I've, that I've uh, used with True North Float. But mm-hmm. um, this idea of like metamorphosis and this this caterpillar being on one level, if you were to just zoom in and only see the caterpillar, you'd be like, this motherfucker's just destroying everything. He's mm-hmm. just eating everything, right? Mindless consumption of his environment. But then he evolves and transforms into, a th- you know, goes through a metamorphosis, which means like new cells consume the caterpillar cells it's like some sort of soup for its growth and this thing that emerges is fundamentally um required for that ecosystem to work so it's like you have something that on one level looks like detrimental to its environment and on another level is completely essential for the environment to function so um humans look kind of similar like we're just sort of like we've used this like massive well of earth's resource that we've just kind of been extracting for our growth. Mm. And now we're hitting this size where we're like, maybe that's big enough, mm. you know, like, <laughs> like we're kind of exhausting some things, right. And we've got like several billion of us. So, you know, um, maybe the next, maybe with that energy and with the things that have come out of that, like us becoming more mm. self-aware, this sort of like the Renaissance and this enlightenment wave and psychedelic Renaissance and techno technological, you know, explosion and all these things that are contributing these factors that are, you know, contributing to this moment, maybe that is going to give rise to some sort of emergence. And I guess the, like I said, the, the idealist is asking, what is the butterfly form of humanity Mm -hmm. on the collective level? You know, and for me, you could ask on the individual level as well. Like we all have a locust and a, and a, uh, a cat or a grasshopper in us. Right. So, Another, another example would be the, uh, there's this grasshopper that, um, when you know, rains, this, I think it's, it's indigenous to Africa, but there's this grasshopper where like when the rains are plentiful and you get a lot of, uh, overgrowth of grass the grasshopper population Mm -hmm. explodes and then the rains kind of go away and then the grass recedes and then you get denser populations of grasshoppers and then eventually it's basically like urban grasshopper city land right Mm -hmm. and the grasshoppers go through a metamorphosis where they transform into a Mm locust that's got like different physiology Mm you bigger thorax and just like more aggressive behavior and then the locusts will swarm and become these like kind of terrorists so to me like on an individual and a collective level, like we can probably manifest in multiple ways. Like we're mosaics, like you said. Mm -hmm. So it's like, what's the kind of the, the more, the higher angels of our nature, you know, versus the (laughs) versus kind of what's going on right now. (laughs)
1: Hey, I mean, that's a beautiful uh, parallel. And I've, I have struggled to find a, a definition for humans that puts us outside of nature. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we pour concrete. It's made out of lime and, you know, aggregate and water. And we think that that's something unique to humans. Because we put a right angle to it. Because we put a right angle to it. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, uh, on one level, I feel that you started off talking about playfulness and that that levity, you know, like it's music, it's Mm -hmm. play. Mm -hmm. And... Then we had this really serious talk about yeah. <laughs> man, it all might be going down, and we're all gonna die, and you know, yeah. and not to like you know call you out on that, but I think no, it's important. It's yes and right. Mm-hmm. So I mean, s- let's say that humans nuke themselves. Mm-hmm. So what? No, this I, is I a agree. Little you know, backwoods rock on a fairly insignificant star orbiting. You know, sure, 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 In in a galaxy of trillions of galaxies, it's like. Get over yourself, planet Earth, <laughs> you know? No, no, no. I, I
0: agree with you. Uh,
1: yeah, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm just, I mean, I think that's kind of the fun of the individual perspective. And, yeah. it, and it's not bad. It's just, it's really interesting to be playing at both levels. And maybe that's where humans are, you know, unique on this planet, is that we are going with the flow. We are transforming. We are becoming locusts. We're becoming all of these different things. I mean, If someone wasn't in Joe Rogan's seat, there'd probably be someone else in Joe Rogan's seat. You know, like the world is kind of cultivating and and just, you know, flowing from this thing that it's doing and it's natural. And I think that the trick is to both exist with that individual hunger and drive and desire and like being one of those cells that is actually lifting rocks and shaping and moving. And, you know, it all feels desperately important. Hmm. And then having those moments where you do just, you know, it's music and it's play and it's wonderful. And when the music stops, like, it's, it's going to stop for every one of us, for the planet. Like, it doesn't matter how far we push the rock. Eventually, the sun's going to burn out. Well, guess what? That's a third-generation star. It's burned out twice before. You know, that is, for me, that, like, I don't know. It's that still point in all the chaos and craziness where you get to just sort of, yeah, get back to that music and see that the earth is just this, you know, chord being plucked and uh, one, of the, one of the books that I really um, recommend, it's something that I came across when I was a bit younger, it was written in the 60s and 70s, so some of the science is a little dated, but the spirit with which the book is written is so beautiful, but it's Guy Murchie's The Seven Mysteries of Life. Hmm. It's a tome, it's like super thick. This guy spent 30 years writing this book and illustrating it, and one of the things that he talks about in there is the uh, germination of worlds, hmm. and this idea that you know a planet is in a way a seed. And it just absorbs all of this energy from the local, you know, giant radioactive ball of fire in the sky. And then when it's ready, you know, these patterns just unfurl Mm -hmm. and it's probably something that only happens once per -hmm. planet, you know, and we look up at Mars and we see all these, you know, signs of, of water and like a past, Mm -hmm. you know, potential flowering. And so I think you're right. You know, um, what you said earlier, we are at a, we're always at a unique point in that unfolding but everything in nature is a cycle and if we're destined to blow ourselves off the face of the planet i mean what are you going to do about it you know i mean
0: how how is being worried about it the same as being prepared for it oh yeah they're not (laughs) so i'm gonna i'm gonna enjoy like the the things that i enjoy you know in life and i'm gonna try to try to be in that moment um and find the center like you said you know your Uh, true north yeah exactly and and so for uh for me the the playfulness is like so so don't confuse like my seriousness for a lack of playfulness you know (laughs) because it's like it's like i i think that it's not serious but to get you're playing a game but to get lost in the role to, Mm. to get lost in the play is is sort of the fun of it yeah and so for me it's like yeah i get i get jazzed i get way into it and i want to like you know i want i get all hyped up and i kind of like start to channel in these like kind of wacky ideas about like what the world could be like you know and it's not to say that like i must shape the world Mm -hmm. it's just like yeah it's like why not like we're here to we're here to throw fucking paint on a canvas you
1: are shaping the world yeah
0: I mean, and and I'm creating it by seeing it, you know, and by experiencing it through my subjectivity. So, it's uh yeah, it's been a fascinating convo, man. And <laughs> and I uh, I don't want to, I could keep going, but cause this has been really fun. But um, we could probably wrap it. And this is uh, as good a time as any. Because, <laughs> uh, but seven. So besides the seven mysteries, um, hmm. what else has helped you find your true north or that center hmm. or? or whatever else, like if you want to share anything that might uh, be useful for someone else? Yeah, that's a
1: great question. And there's so much good stuff out there. Like there's so many just amazing books. Um, You know, I, like I was saying, when I was younger, I really felt like, oh, I'm going to find the book that has the answer. And then it's really just, I found all these different reflections of different perspectives and some of the more meaningful ones to me, um, you know, Alan Watts definitely is uh, like like we were saying earlier, like he, I think his words and his life are different, and that's kind of important to keep in mind that a lot of times the people that are sharing this wisdom aren't necessarily, you know, separate from the game. like they yeah. haven't they haven't won it, they haven't overcome it. like there's no guru, I think, that has like completely stepped outside the human. Role, mm. and I think that's important. If you're young and you're questing and you're trying to find like what is this you know piece of information that's going to liberate me from how I feel right now, um, and it actually took you know reading um, some Taoism and you know just comparative mythology to kind of get to that point where it's like okay, there isn't one piece of information, one perspective that's going to unlock all of this. Uh, but that being said, um, I do really enjoy looking at how other cultures have approached this same big question. I'm not any one thing. I joke that I'm an interest. So if I like have to say what I am, you know, I'm not Christian. I'm not, Mm. you know, atheist. Like I'm an interest. I'm interested in all of these things. Mm. I see how they all intersect and overlap. And some of the philosophies that have spoken deeply to me are Taoism I love the Tao Te Ching. Mm-hmm. There's one translation in particular that I really like. Um, and the opening passage of that is that the Tao called the Tao is not the Tao. Yeah. And names can name no lasting name. Exactly. So right there you get this smack in the face. <laughs> that like We're trying to, you know, push around concepts with other concepts to get to what's behind all these concepts. Mm-hmm. Like it's never going to work.
0: Not with the words.
1: Not with the words. So, yeah. Um,
0: yeah that's a great book. I, I took that book uh, with me on my backpacking travels around around uh, South America and Asia and stuff, and uh, just kind of it's one of those things you can pick it up and just get something, you know, real. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just from any page. <laughs> and I think sometimes
1: like the most deep um, writing is more like poetry mm-hmm. or something that invites you to kind of go past it and mm-hmm. kind of lose layers rather than gain more concepts. But I mean, really, if I have you know something to share or something to say. And I'm speaking to myself, like, you know, I'm going to get off this podcast and I'm going to stop being all enlightened podcast <laughs> guest, And I'm going to go back to my own struggles and figuring out money and figuring out relationships. Like I do not have it figured out, but what I do know, <laughs> what I think I know from my life of experiences is that in some strange, bizarre way, all of this is okay. mm mm-hmm and it's deep, and it's beautiful, and it's the fulfillment of every promise you could ever be promised, just how it is, and that you, just as you are, are exactly what you were always going to be. Mm. And that, to me, is, you know, it's it's a thumb to suck. You know, it's sort of like um, a blanket to hold when things get really scary. But I think it's rooted in some of these experiences and just moments where, you know, if you have one moment of joy in your life, it required every moment of suffering that came before it. Mm -hmm. And we would not be sitting here right now if it weren't for horrible wars and genocides and personal tragedies and all the rest. You know, it's the compost heap that's at the base of the forest. That's all the dead trees that grew before. Yeah. And there's some way of seeing life that kind of Lets you just step off that wheel and take a breath mm. and then get back on the wheel,
0: yeah, and say a ho and thank you to all the <laughs> all the ancestors and all the things that have the decomposers and all the yeah. things that have come before to give rise to this immer, Let's for a moment. beer for yeah,
1: uncountable homies. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Un, uncountable homies, yeah, that's perfect, fuck man, this has been great um so uncomplication for um anybody who wants to check out your future my moving you, train wreck your, ram- <laughs> your future ramblings and yeah exactly cool on youtube right or do you have like a website what's your oh uh, yeah place
1: uncomplication.com i mean okay. i haven't really updated that in a while but it has a lot of my older uh you know rantings and <laughs> uh perspectives from 10 years as an entrepreneur and yeah
0: Sick. I think that's probably a good place to start. Yeah, we'll see what's actually on there by the time I get my act together and release this. (laughs) (laughs) But there's still an internet. Uh, Can I end by sharing a poem with you? Oh, yeah, I'd love that.
1: Okay. It's it's not super long, but... um, Two rivers converged, their contents combined, giving birth to a swirl of life. From chaos came order, from void arose form, A new being danced into the light. It started so small it could barely be seen, Surroundings and self intertwined. But the pattern grew larger, and a whirlpool formed, And with that was its selfhood defined. As the water flowed through, it twisted in bliss, Its soul was the cool summer rain. But its vigor diminished as autumn approached, And the cyclone's source water soon waned. Then the whirlpool said, what's it like to be dead? But the water which asked this had gone. As new water flowed in, it asked yet again, Mm. but it realized the question was wrong. If I'm always changing, my life but a flow, how can there be hope that I last? When the self that I was while pondering death in this moment already has passed. As its channel dried up, it felt itself fade, going back into that which it came, without fear, without sadness, as it was born again, resurrected with each spring's new rain.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's beautiful. Not going to try to top that. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for checking out this episode of True North Project. If you want to follow along on our journey, you can go to truenorthproject.com, where you'll find find our uh, email list. Um, you can also, if you want to support us, leave us five stars, uh, share this episode, um, and if you want to support us financially, you'll find a, a link to do that in the podcast description It will take you to Anchor to, uh, to support us. Uh, thank you so much. Much love.